Which of these two paths will you take in life? You really have two choices. You have the choice to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, or the mighty hand of God will humble you. It's your choice. Especially when God is revealing things to you in his word, like, like even talking about submission today, God has led some of you to say, you know what? Either humble yourself or God's going to humble you, but you're going to end up in a position of humility before the Lord. This is amazing grace. Someone once said, the trouble with being a leader is that you can't be sure whether people are following you or chasing you. In all seriousness, being a leader has its challenges and can be draining and discouraging. At times, opposition, even from Christians, gets so strong it drives good leaders away from their calling. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll see how we can be a support rather than making life miserable for our leadership. To live this way will require some measure of humility. In 1 Peter 5, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Take your Bibles, open them, 1 Peter chapter 5 and John's Gospel chapter 21. 1 Peter chapter 5 and John's Gospel chapter 21 in a Bible study that I've entitled very simply, Humble Yourself. Humble Yourself. And it's been my prayer as we turn our attention to Peter, it's been my prayer that through our studies, that we all gain a greater love and appreciation for Pastor Peter. That he's not simply a joke anymore, someone to make fun of. Someone's, oh, there's another, you know, he always put his foot in his mouth, even though at times he did. I think that what you learn in Peter's letter, this one and the next one, is that he profoundly loved Jesus. It transformed his entire life. And I believe you'll find the same thing. I believe you'll come to, as you examine your life, you will see what you love the most will transform your life. What you love the most, if not God, will become an idol in your life. And the Bible says that you and I will become like our idols if we spend time exercising love and care and concern. Peter's writing to these scattered, hassled believers living out their lives in the first century under great difficulty, under great persecution, and through him the Holy Spirit has encouraged them and exhorted them and spoken to us. And you know, Peter, when you're thinking of it, Peter reminds us that God gives second chances. Some of you doubt that. You wonder if you've gone too far. You, you wonder if the place that you're in right now is you've passed the place of no return. There's a friend of mine in another state that I've been reaching out to who failed greatly pastor many years, far longer than me, and he failed greatly. And I just get this overwhelming sense that he thinks there's a, he passed the point of no return. And I felt like this burden to continue to text him every couple days, a scripture that reminds him of the God of the second chances, the God of grace, the, the God that is wanting to reveal his deep love to him. Notice in John 21, in verse 15, it's the 
time when Jesus meets Jesus and restores him and re returns him to ministry. So, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. God restored him into ministry, restored him to a place of service, and he gives him the rest of his life. He says, this is the rest of your life. I, I want you to feed, tend, and feed my ship, sheep because of your love for me. It, it all is going to follow love. It won't be your great knowledge. It won't be, you know, if we put things into today's context, it won't be your great education. It won't be because somebody ordained you into ministry. It won't be any of the things that, look, because you love me, yes, you know I love you. Because you love me, yes, I know you know I love you. Because you love me, yes, I knew. Then take care of my sheep. Feed them, tend them. And by the way, when you're older, you're going to die a violent death. It is going to end very poorly. Oh, and now, you see the future, what's up ahead for you, Peter, but now I want you to follow me. And there's three elements here that we won't develop, but I want you to know them that will help you as you're serving Jesus in tough times. Number one, stoke and fan the flames of your love for God. Like remember your first love. If you've left your first love, come back, repent, come back to your first love. Number two, understand that God has your future. <laughs> You know, when you're serving the Lord, God's going to take care of you. It may not end as well as you, but he's going to take care of you along the way. You just, you just serve and love. Make sure you're doing what God has called you to do. That's where your greatest satisfaction. And then finally, in the moment, remember, ministry is about loving Jesus and following him. Follow him tenaciously with great endurance. Peter not only reminds us that God gives second chances, but he also reminds us that he, God cares for his flock. He cares for the church. He especially cares for a church that's suffering. And that's the theme of the letter. Suffering comes to us all. And God is using the, the trials and the suffering in our lives to make us more like Christ, to give us more empathy and care for a hurting world around us. You're hurting right now. Some of you listening, you're hurting right now. I acknowledge that pain in your life. But I want you to step back for a moment and just consider how it is where the world is hurting and they don't know Jesus. They're in a very difficult place, like some of you were, in a very challenging place. You're hurting, they're hurting, but you hurt with hope. You have hope in your life that this is not all there is. God is tying all the loose ends together of your life so that when you stand before him, you could hear these words. Don't you want to hear these words? Well done, good and faithful servant. 
enter into the joy of your Lord. God's putting it together for us. Peter also reminds us that Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's not the shepherd. We learned that last time. You're not the shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's coming again. That's where true hope comes from. This world is in our home. And so chapter 5 opened up with these exhortations for leadership. As we learned last time, it's an important study that I encourage you to go back onto the app and listen. Today we're going to pick up where we left off in verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submission, it's not a new subject. Peter's already taught us about submission earlier in his letter. He mentions it earlier. It's not new. But it is a topic that we need to be reminded of continually. Because submission, notice how he ties it together with humility. Submission is the key to humility. You know, you show me someone who's proud and loud and boisterous and causing problems, and I'll show you an unsubmissive, selfish person. Someone that's always drawing attention to themselves, someone that is, even if it's in the moment, I'll show you. You show me a loud, boisterous man, I'll show you a man that's prideful. I'll show you that man. What is God is revealing to you that this man or woman is unsubmissive, unsubmissive to the Lord and not acknowledging those around him. Now, you younger people, notice he mentions, you younger people, you younger people, which is pretty much most everyone listening to me right now, younger than me, you younger people, listen, you younger people can learn something from the older saints. Older saints are important to the body of Christ. You never age out in, in, in the church. You're never useless or unneeded because you've crossed a certain threshold of age. Now, I know those of you that may not be so younger, uh, we might refer to you as older, you older saints, may feel like you're forgotten at times or even set aside because of the rapid changes that take place. And I bet you some of you, even in the context of our own ministry, may even feel like the change, 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 and it's so hard to keep up with it because the world's changing, church is changing, everything seems to be changing, and it's hard to adapt to change. And so the older you get, the more set you get in your ways. But I'm telling you as your shepherd and pastor that the changes that we make are not intended to hurt you. You're already saved. They're intended to reach the lost and to stay current with our culture. Remember, the methodology of ministry has to change. The message never changes, but the methodology does change. And let me just say this. I'm very appreciative, and, and if you would allow me to use the language, very proud of you older saints that go along with the changes that we make. It just is a blessing, I, I, even if you don't like them. You know, even if you're like, oh, I don't think I like that. I, I don't think, you know, why is the stage so hazy? What's that all about? And why all the, you know, you can think of the things that fill my email box from time to time. But you know, you, you, you steady on because you love the Lord and you love your church and you love this community and things are changing. There's nothing we can do about it except adapt ourselves to it and maybe even get ahead of it 
right? And say, Lord, what do you want to do before everyone knows? You know, that, that's how we handled this whole crisis uh, that we just came through. As a, as a pastoral team, as a leadership team, we just prayed. And as I look back, the Lord was giving us wisdom before we ever heard about it. He was giving us decisions that we were two or three weeks ahead of what was coming down in the culture. And I'm just like, man, Lord, why can't it be, always be like that? You know, because we're waiting on the Lord for things. So you younger people, it's important that you respect the older and understand that when changes take place, and there's, there's a lot of wisdom in those that are older than you. There's a lot of wisdom. And we would do well to listen and to learn. And together, it's not an old-fashioned thing to listen to senior saints. Some of those of you that are growing gracefully in age, you're so needed. You're needed in the body of Christ. And you're like, well, you know, I'm just going to go find a church where everybody's like me. Don't do that. So you need to be, you need the younger people in your life to keep you on your toes (laughs) and to stir you up. And that new believer zeal, you know, you're walking with the Lord 40, 50 years and it just becomes regular and routine. And then some whippersnapper, young new believer comes and is just running, 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 running. You're like, oh, I can't keep up. But then the Lord says, no, that youthfulness is still in you. You are still youthful at heart and we're needed together. But I I would say that as we love your years of wisdom and uh, your years of experience, those of you that are older, I also want to say to those that are older, I don't want you to confuse age with maturity. Age doesn't necessarily equal spiritual maturity. And because you have an age, you know, you have the advantage of age on someone doesn't mean that you're spiritually much more mature than them. And so we want to be mutually respectful, or what he says, we want to learn to be mutually submissive. And so now he deals with the age differences. You know, he deals with, the Bible deals with the gender differences. It deals with age differences. It deals with us as the body of Christ that we learn to submit to one another. So whether you're young and you don't want to submit to the older saints, or Another challenging thing is you older saints don't want to submit to someone younger than you. But if God has placed that man or woman over you in leadership, who are we to say? I remember there used to be a season, it's not that way anymore, but there used to be a season early on in Marie and my ministry where we were the youngest person everywhere we went. And yet God had entrusted to me to very serious levels of leadership over people that were in the Lord more years than I was alive. And it was very intimidating. But God had put me there. I didn't put myself there. God put me there. And he put me there so that those that I was serving that were older than me could learn how to submit to a young man that was learning. I mean, I think even back to the time when the church just started. And I'm in my early 30s. And most everyone in the church, except for their children, were older than me. And they had to endure all the mistakes I made. And all of the stumblings, which still, if you're a part of this church, you still have to endure the mistakes that I make. But in those early days, in a church plant, like it was a real challenging thing. So not only am I making mistakes, but I'm also young. But I know in the Lord, we can do this. In the Lord, but the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't, we don't have to rise up in pride with the answer of, I don't have to submit. I, doesn't, don't they know how wise I am, how much experience I have? Listen, God resists, it says, the proud. 
And some of you are just making no progress in your Christian life because you are a prideful man. You are a prideful woman. And you wonder, why isn't there any progress? Why am I not seeing more fruit from my life? Why is everybody angry with me? Why, where are all my... Uh, you name the things that come from pride, and here it is. God is resisting you in your ministry. He's resisting your pride. And you wonder, though, well, the person that... Look at that brother over there. You know, he had less experience. He's younger than me. Look at that sister. And, and she's just being an outflow of fruit. Well, because God gives grace to the humble. God is gracious to those that walk in humility. God hates the sin of pride, church. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance in the evil way, in the perverse mouth I hate. Pride is what turned Lucifer into Satan. Pride is what plunged the human race into sin in the garden. And pride is what stumbles us almost every day in our spiritual lives. Pride and arrogance. The, remember our threefold enemy? 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. You and I face a threefold enemy. John says all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and what? The pride of life. They're not of the Father, but of the world. But here, when he says in verse 5, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. There's a beautiful grace that comes to the humble, but resistance to the proud. Look, in submission, when I choose to submit, when I, remember we learned the definition to fall in line, to fall in order, to basically get in line, to come alongside so that there's order and not chaos. We looked at that word in previous studies. When I choose to submit, I'm trusting that my God is larger than any situation and any person in my life. That is my choice. When I choose to submit, I'm trusting that God is larger than any situation and any person in my life. If mom and dad make wrong decisions... I'm still right with God because I've chosen to submit. If a pastor or a leader makes a wrong decision, I trust God. If my husband or wife makes a wrong decision, God is my strength. My responsibility is not to make sure that those in authority over us are to make all right decisions. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be right with my heavenly father no matter what he allows to come into our lives. And if there is true sin in these relationships... The Bible gives the remedy for resolution and reconciliation. And it starts with, if your brother sinned against you, go to him, you and him alone, share the matter with him. And what is about what did Jesus say? If your brother hears you, you have won your brother. That's where it starts. I have found, that's in, from Matthew chapter 18 toward the second half, biblical resolution I have found that most of the issues are solved at step number one. I don't know what the percentages are, but, you know, 90% of the issues are solved because there's a misunderstanding and I didn't know and thank you for telling me. And, and sometimes it's even really serious. You're crying. You're repentant. I didn't mean that. I'm not sure what was it. Like, please forgive me. There's no excuses. There's no, well, you know, I'm sorry, sort of, kind of, you were hurt because I did something. That's not going to help the process. 
but a true godly sorrow saying, what I did hurt you. Will you forgive me for that? I don't want to do it ever again. I mean, it's truly hard not to forgive someone when they come with the humility and admit that they failed. And most of the time you do find that in relationships, there's responsibility, some on both sides. And there's just a beautiful thing that God does when we come together. But my responsibility is just to trust the Lord. That's what, I mean, he's made it very easy. He's made it very easy. And my responsibility is to trust the Lord. Even in the role that I have in the church as a leader, as a pastor, my responsibility is not to make sure everybody does everything right. I mean, there's discipleship and there's coming alongside, but I, that's, my responsibility is to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as myself. My responsibility is to help people keep their eyes on the Lord. Let's stay in unity and watch the Lord work through our diversity. And if I start paying attention to every little detail and every little, then I'll just go out of my mind. I need to trust in the Lord because God gives grace and it becomes all these circumstances that surround our lives. It actually drives us to humility. And when you're in a place of humility and you recognize you can't solve the problem, you recognize that you don't have the answer, you recognize maybe in a position you were wrong, then it places you in a position of humility. And in that humility, what happens? God is right there gracing you giving you the grace that's specific to humility. Notice, therefore, verse 6, with that in mind, submission, pride being resisted, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. It's such a beautiful passage you and I can make a conscious choice to humble ourselves. It's not something that you want God to do. You really have two choices. You have the choice to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, or the mighty hand of God will humble you. It's your choice. Especially when God is revealing things to you in his word, like, like even talking about submission today, God has led some of you to say, you know what? Either humble yourself or God's going to humble you, but you're going to end up in a position of humility before the Lord. It will come in my life and in yours. You can take the first step and say, will you forgive me? First to God, Psalm 51, jot it down, the great psalm of repentance from David. You want to you hear and feel what real repentance is like? Read Psalm 51. And you'll see that first his repentance and brokenness was toward God and then toward others. He wasn't trying to solve situations and smooth things over. He was crushed by his sin before God. He was crushed. And as you humble yourself, you'll notice that God will exalt you in due time. You think a lot of times there is this desire not to humble yourself because then you think you just stay low, you'll stay low, you'll stay low, people walk all over you. You know, if I submit, you don't understand that, I'll just be taken advantage of. No, no, no. When you take the place of humility, in due time, God raises you up. He does the work in his timing. And it is rough sometimes to be under the mighty hand of God. But notice, the word is, in that phrase at the end of verse 6, you might want to mark it, because some of you are in this phrase right now, in due time. It's God's timing. The Bible says that God makes the, everything perfect in His time. 
Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in 1 Peter. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Have you had a chance to download our app? This is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And please remember, Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Lee Strobel's excellent book, The Case for Heaven. This is a must-read for anyone who wonders what's next after we die. As a journalist, he investigates all the evidence for life after death. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Peter. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.